We try to avoid thinking about it, but spacecraft are machines that break down and eventually fail. Some can last for years, others decades, but in the end, they'll be gone forever. Space agencies do consider how these missions will end and put plans in place to wrap them up when the time comes. But sometimes they have no choice, and dead spacecraft return to Earth with no way of controlling when and where it's going to happen. It's fun to think about new projects, but not so much fun to think about how those projects are going to end. Space agencies do what they can to limit the impact of their dead spacecraft, but space is a hostile and unpredictable place. Mechanical problems, micrometeorite impacts, and software failures can cause even fully functional spacecraft to go dark. For the spacecraft out in deep space, it's not a huge problem. One day, you're depending on it for pictures of Earth or climate data or a deeper view into the universe, and the next day, that trusty spacecraft is offline, never to be heard from again. Time to launch a replacement. There are amazing stories of spacecraft brought back from the brink of failure. Mental note, I should totally do an episode on that. But there are also examples of spacecraft that just went silent. In 2009, for example, two spacecraft actually smashed into each other. The communication satellite Iridium-33 and the already deactivated Russian Cosmos-2251 just collided at a speed of 11 kilometers per second at an altitude of 789 kilometers. Obviously, neither satellite survived, and about a quarter of the debris had burned up in the Earth's atmosphere by 2016. For the vast majority of missions, operators use a graveyard orbit. This is a region of space which is far enough away from common orbits that the spacecraft put there isn't likely to whack into another satellite. Mission controllers use these orbits for geostationary satellites. For example, since the amount of fuel required to deorbit the spacecraft is just too large. In general, a satellite will need about three months of station-keeping fuel to move out into this graveyard orbit, so they make this decision when the spacecraft is nearly out of fuel. Spacecraft closer to Earth are deorbited into the atmosphere where they most likely burn up. Now I say mostly because larger chunks can survive going through the atmosphere and crash land on Earth. If the mission operator has any control over the spacecraft, they typically crash it into a region of the Pacific Ocean known as the Spacecraft Cemetery. Located about 3,900 kilometers southwest of New Zealand, it's a region that's about as far away as possible from any human habitation. Lots of room to dispose of old space stations, progress cargo ships, and any other non-functional spacecraft. Down there, beneath three kilometers of water, you'll find the remains of the Russian Mir space station and more than 140 Russian supply ships, European cargo ships, and more. And this will be the future home for the International Space Station. At some point, in the next couple of decades, NASA and the Russian Space Agency will finally pull the plug on the ISS. NASA and Russia recently announced their ongoing commitment to fund ISS until at least 2028. Who knows how much longer they'll keep it going. But eventually, it's headed for the spacecraft cemetery. When the time comes, or if ISS ever needed to be evacuated, mission controllers will fire the rockets on two Progress spacecraft on board lowering its orbit into a perfect flight path that brings it down into the South Pacific. When it does come down, it'll be the largest human-built object ever crashed into the Earth. 
Chunks of it will absolutely survive the journey, so this has to be done right. NASA's Hubble Space Telescope is also eventually coming down. If it doesn't get any further boosts, it's going to return to Earth uncontrolled sometime in the 2030s. Now, there are missions in the planning stages that could attach a booster rocket to the aging telescope. Then they have a choice. Do they continue refurbishing it? Do they boost it to a higher orbit? Or bring it down safely like ISS and other satellites? I'll let you know when they've made a decision. What about in deep space? For the spacecraft on escape trajectories from the solar system, there's nothing you can do. Eventually, the Pioneer and Voyager spacecraft are just going to run out of electricity coming from the radioisotropic thermoelectric generators. Controllers at NASA will shut down their instruments one by one, turning off the communication gear. And these spacecraft will just continue on, making their way for thousands, millions, and maybe even billions of years. Eventually, the interstellar dust will just wear them away to nothing. Sometimes, spacecraft are still sort of functional, but there's a risk that they might contaminate a world with their filthy Earth bacteria. And this was the case with NASA's Galileo and Cassini spacecraft. Galileo was launched to Jupiter in 1989, arriving at the giant planet in 1995. Although it had problems with its main radio antenna, the mission was still successful, observing Jupiter for longer and closer than any spacecraft we'd sent there before. As the spacecraft started to run out of fuel, mission planners had to make the tough decision. Should they leave it in orbit around Jupiter forever, risking the chance that it might crash into one of its icy moons, potentially contaminating its surface with bacteria from Earth? Or should they crash it early, removing that future risk? In the end, they decided to smash Galileo into Jupiter on September 21, 2003. As it passed into the cloud tops, atmospheric friction tore the spacecraft into fiery pieces which rained down into the planet. As you probably recall, NASA made the same decision just a few months ago when they deorbited the Cassini spacecraft into Saturn. Again, NASA was concerned that Cassini might eventually crash into one of Saturn's icy moons, like Enceladus, infecting the world with bacteria from Earth. On September 15, 2017, Cassini, which had served us so well exploring the Saturnian system and uncovering so many mysteries about the planet's formation, rings, and moons, was crashed into Saturn's cloud tops. And this will be the fate for any other spacecraft sent into orbit around any of the giant planets. So prepare yourself emotionally for the loss of Juno, the Europa Clipper, and whatever gets sent back to Saturn in the future. We've talked about planning for the end of several missions. But sometimes missions end in unplanned ways, and spacecraft come crashing back to Earth totally uncontrolled. And this is going to be happening shortly, and I'll get into that. But first, I'd like to thank John Rowell, Brett O'Malley, Jeremy Costella, and the rest of our 796 patrons for their generous support. If you love what we're doing, you want to get in on the action, head over to patreon.com slash universe today. It's best to be organized and carefully plan for the end of your mission. But sometimes these details just get away from you. Spacecraft return to Earth and you can't control when and where it's going to happen. The Earth's atmosphere destroys anything on an uncontrolled descent, but sometimes larger chunks can survive re-entry and crash into the planet. And perhaps the most famous example of this was NASA's Skylab mission, which occurred on July 11, 1979. Although they couldn't deorbit the station, 
they could change its orientation to aim it to a less populated area, and they hoped to strike the open ocean off the coast of Africa, and calculated that the chance of hitting a human was 1 in 152. But it didn't burn up as quickly as NASA was expecting and smashed into Australia about 480 kilometers southeast of Perth. And over the years, several spacecraft have re-entered the Earth's atmosphere, including several chunks from Apollo missions, Russian spacecraft, and dead satellites. The most recent ones that I can remember vividly were the Russian Phobos Grunt mission, which was supposed to retrieve a sample from the Martian moon Phobos and instead failed to reach its transfer trajectory and was trapped in low Earth orbit. Eventually, it came down in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Chile in 2012. And back in 2011, NASA's Upper Atmosphere Research Satellite came down uncontrolled also into the Pacific Ocean. And it was pretty nerve-wracking watching the position of the satellite update as it's made its way towards my location on Vancouver Island. Want to know what that felt like? Sounds like fun? Well, good news! You're going to experience it for yourself shortly. And that's because the Chinese Tiangong-1 space station, which was launched in 2011, is going to be coming back down sometime in the next few months uncontrolled. Now, the station was used for six different space missions, but it broke down in 2016. And now, as the station plows through more and more of the Earth's atmosphere, it's slowly losing altitude. It already lost about 50 kilometers of altitude in 2017, and now it's a matter of when and where it's going to come back to Earth. Sometime in early 2018, from January to March, depending on various simulations. According to Chinese officials, the station is expected to re-enter the atmosphere somewhere between 43 degrees north and 43 degrees south latitude, so pretty much anywhere in the middle of the planet. When it does come back through the atmosphere, most of it will burn up, but chunks will survive long enough to reach the surface. It should make a spectacular streak through the sky as it burns up. And although the chances of a spacecraft actually crashing into any kind of population is really low, it's a little unnerving to know that it's overhead and coming down soon. As we get closer, and controllers can see that it's about to come down, I'm sure there'll be these websites that let you track the position in real time. And if any debris does actually come down in your area, contact the authorities and stay away. There are all kinds of toxic chemicals on board that you don't want to be anywhere near. As we launch more satellites and learn to live in space, we're going to need to be more careful about what happens with our dead spacecraft. Unless we're careful, we'll pollute the solar system with wreckage and material that'll haunt future generations as they travel from world to world. I know it's sad to think about these missions. Which ones do you already miss, or will you be saddest to see go in the future? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Do you want to know when we release a new episode of The Guide to Space? Join our announcement newsletter. The second we release it on YouTube, we'll drop this newsletter and even put in a few special additional treats. So go to this URL to sign up, and the link will also be down in the show notes. In our next episode, we'll talk about the potential for life on icy worlds out there in the Milky Way. There could be orders of magnitude, more of them, than rocky worlds like Earth. And that's where we should be searching for life.